You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. The Volvo XC40 is designed for everyone's safety. With high-tech cameras and sensors that help watch out for cyclists and other cars. And if the unexpected happens, it can automatically apply the brakes to help prevent a collision. The Volvo XC40. For everyone's safety.
All right, welcome back to the Heavy Metal Mayhem Radio Show. It is May 22nd. Finally, we have some nice hot weather here in New York. Two beautiful days in the 90s, but we're plunging back down into the 60s for the rest of the week. It just seems like the summer does not want to come here in 2022. Hopefully, this will be the last semi-warm, cool week we'll have, and we'll get into a heat wave. I'm jealous of all my friends down south and in Florida who enjoy this weather year-round. Hey, we got a great show tonight. Anthony Leonetti from Matthias Steel is on. We'll be talking to Anthony in about 45 minutes or so. We kick things off tonight with the Rods and Let Them Eat Metal. You know, Carl Kennedy is one of my favorite guests to have on the show. We've must have spoken to Carl over a dozen times since the show's been on the air for the last 14 years. And I love him, and he's a fun guy to talk to. And he's got the most incredible stories, especially from back in the early Megaforce days. So if you ever want to hear some funny stuff, go back to the old episodes uh, where Carl was on here and check some of them out. I we interviewed him about a couple of months ago, maybe in the beginning of the year. He has a new band called the 450s. Uh, they're like a hard rock punk type band, really good. Uh, you know, Carl's involved in a lot of bands and a lot of projects. You know, he's got a solo band, uh, Kennedy, that just played a show I think this past weekend, uh, either in Pennsylvania or upstate New York. Uh, but in all in all, I'm waiting for the brand new Roger record to come out. This will be the first time in a long time that the band is back to kind of like a four-piece lineup. Uh, they got Freddie Villano playing bass for them now. Uh, Gary is out of the band once again, probably permanently this time. Vocals lead a singer called Solo Band Kennedy. So I'm curious what him and Rock have come up with for this new lineup. Uh, the last time I remember having four members, uh, Sammy Avigal was in the band. I think there was one other record that came out uh, after that, which really technically wasn't a Rod record. They went by their four names, but, you know, for most people, it was still a Rod record. But great man, Carl. Love talking to him. I remember when we had him on the last time, it was like, I thought your show was off the air when you finished the show for Block Talk Radio. I'm like, yeah, I'm still doing interviews, and, you know, it's on YouTube. I'm married him now, just to find another site I want to do my show on. So when we did the interview, he came on all dressed up with the video. I was like, you know, what are you doing? He goes, I thought there was like a video show. I got all dressed up today. I'm like, no, nah, no, nah, it's still audio. Don't worry about it. Carl Kennedy, you got to love him. All right. I'm going to try to do as little talking as possible, which will make everybody happy tonight. I'm going to save it for the interview because I've been sick all week. I still have a sore throat. I'm a little congested, so I don't want to lose my voice midway through. But how about a little Max Planck? Enter the rock.
Dark Angel, we have arrived. I'll take the Don Dottie Dark Angel over any Dark Angel anytime. Those two records, this one, We Have Arrived and Darkness Ascends, my two favorite records. A lot of people don't care for them. Some people like, you know, the next incarnation of the band with Ron Reinhardt on vocals. I'll take the Don Dottie stuff. He was trying to get that reunion together, and it just kind of bombed out. They really don't like that guy. I don't really know the whole story about what went on, but they just don't like him because he was the one that got it off the ground, and then the reunion took place, and he wasn't a part of it. Then he had Vigilante going, I believe, with Joe Cangelosi, who plays in a ton of other bands. Whiplash is probably the one people remember the most and created for a short period of time. And I haven't heard anything about that band either since we had him on the show. So who the hell knows what's going on with that. But Dark Angel are out there playing right now, so if you're a fan, try to catch them. All right, what did we do before that? I can't even remember. Uh, we did Power Lord, Merciless Titans, another great band and great song. You know, because I'm a people pleaser, I'm going to think of some stuff that uh, Iman and John want to hear. They want to hear Brute Force and Excited. I'll get that on in the next set. But I have to tell you, Michael Shanker is like, you know, I love Michael Shanker. Every week he's in the um, Blabbermouth or doing an interview with somebody, bitching and complaining about somebody. This week it's K.K. Downing. Uh, how he says K.K. Down is like a pretender to the throne and how he wants to be famous because <laughs> he says something about like he brought the flying V into the metal world and, you know, of course, Michael Schenker did that. Michael Schenker did everything. He invented, you know, baby formula. He invented the cure for COVID. Uh, you name it, Michael Schenker has done it. I mean, don't get me wrong. Great guitar player, killer songwriter. But when you think about it, all his biggest hits came from the other bands he was in and not the Michael Schenker group. He has a couple of popular songs in that band and nothing that it was as big as in UFO or the stuff he did with the Scorpions. But every week, no matter who you mention to him, he just tears them apart. And you got to love it. It's like, you know, it's like fodder. It's great stuff. And, and his brother, Rudolf Shanker, is his number one target. Even when he's talking about K.K. Downing in this interview, talking about how, you know, he wants to be famous, saying he invented the Flying V, just like my brother Rudolph. No matter what you talk about with him, he always brings his brother into the conversation. They do not like each other. There is a hatred there. I mean, a deep-seated hatred. Uh, it's unbelievable. You got to read these Michael Shanker interviews because every week he goes off on somebody else and, and it just makes you laugh. So, I mean, you got to have fun with it. All right, let's get on some brute force. This is Michael Lapon's band, one of the like 5,000 bands Michael Lapon has played in or have been a part of over the years. And Mike is one of the sweetest, nicest guys ever. I'm glad that Symphony X is out there finally playing it on the road and he gets to go out there and play again. I mean, he was just over with Ross the Boss over in Europe, so now he'll go out with Symphony X when he gets back. So let's do one of his early bands. I believe this this was the title track from the demo, even up the score. Uh, I want to say it was 86 or maybe 88, somewhere in that time zone. And then right after that, we'll get on some excited for John.
All right, that was a band called Fast Draw who came out of Japan. They were, I think it was 83 they came out around. That was off the first demo. That's why the quality is not that great. Don't actually pronounce the name of it. It's in Japanese. Uh, most of the releases were in Japanese. They did have a few uh, that had English titles on them, but uh, that was called Black Legacy. And I believe the singer of the band was Yoko Kabuto. She was pretty cute looking back then, you know, wearing all that black leather. I don't know what happened to those guys. They broke up sometime in the mid-90s, I believe, and that's the last I heard of them. But I was going through some old demo tapes the other day, and I said, I know the quality's not the best, but let me get it on anyway. All right, how about we play some Matthias Steel right now? I will try to get all my connections lined up because how many live interviews we do every week, I still forget which buttons to click to make the soundboard work, the dial out. But I'll get that all set up now, and hopefully we won't make any mistakes. So let's do a little Matthias Steel. And like an Anthony on the line. So how about we do, uh, let's do Shadow of Illusion.
Man, what a great song. Shadows of Illusion off Haunting Tales of a Warrior's Past of 91. A lot of people believe that was the band's first record, but I believe it was their second, and it got a lot more attention than the first one. I think that's why people believe that, but what a great record start to finish. All right, how about we get Anthony on the line right now? I think I got all my connections lined up. I always say that there's something goes wrong. <laughs> Let's see if we can bet a thousand. Oh, we got a dial tone in a ring, so that's pretty good. Hello. Anthony, this is Mike. You're on the air. How are you? Hi, Mike. You've reached the Matthias Steel home. <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad to have you on. And being a fan going back to the very beginning of the band. You know, I, it's a pleasure to have you on here talk to you. And I get the, all the answers that I had questions for all these years. Yes, it's been a long time accumulating, I'm sure. For, uh, for almost 40 years when you come to think about it, close to it. <laughs> yeah, where, where is this band? How come we don't see them? <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to believe when you think about it. That, it feels like it's just yesterday those days, but they really are getting to be a long time ago now. Yeah, they are. Uh, and it just... You know, makes you keep thinking back. You want to, you want to continue to do this. I mean, there's nothing else we know better to do. Continue to play. Yeah, and I'm glad you guys are doing yeah. it. I mean, for people that aren't familiar with the band, I mean, let's kind of go back to the beginning. It's, I guess, around the mid '80s, '84, '85 that the band gets going. And how did it all come about? Were you guys friends that wanted to start a band, or were you separate musicians looking to, you know, hook up with each other? Coming out of Rhode Island back in the day, not the biggest metal scene around. Even though you're right near Connecticut, which had a much more, you know, bigger scene going on. Yes, exactly. You are, I know you're from New York, and uh, you already know our scene pretty well up here. Yeah. Uh, that, that, <laughs> that started, uh, you know, in the mid-'80s, actually, we were coming out at a pretty good time. But, hell, uh, where we were located in southern New England, that predominantly blues uh, area, uh, you know, a room full of blues is from where we are, too, westerly. And uh, it, that kind of stuff was predominant at the time and and you know as, as the 80s came through we <laughs> young young rebellions that we were we're hearing some good music on the radio too at that time and we want to come out and re recreate what we hear is what we like as artists so yeah you know after graduating high school uh, we're going we're talking 82 83 here uh we pretty much had a, a group of guys that were very copacetic with each other and uh, all shared the same vision, wanted to play. We, we actually had a guy on each instrument. It just fell into, into place back then. And uh, really it started with, with three people back in 1985. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that was Nino Travato, the drummer. Todd Gencarella was a guitar player. And myself. We three young Italians, strapping young lads <laughs> from Westerly, Rhode Island, uh, a very an Italian, well-known area in its own, uh, <clears throat> where Soupy really comes out of. <laughs> That's right. But, uh, yeah, so uh, we got together and started playing, and uh, we liked the way it sounded, and, uh, you know, one thing led to another, and uh, we started to gel and, and play out and get the proper people we had a sound man we had a name uh, I, I suppose you want to get into the name too where that came from I, I think I, I think I know that one I, if I'm I the, was it from the Charleston Heston movie you yeah yeah you uh, got it basically okay. 
Well, you know, back then we were of steel. You know, it was it, we, we, it was like the metal. The music was metal. We knew that. Yeah. So uh, at the time, you know, Iron Maiden that kind of stuff was already taken when we were coming out. So we were like, well, what else do we have as metal that we could simple make make this band? You know, and uh, Steel was one. And then we thought of a first name and and put it together with Steel, which was Matthias, a character in the Charlton Heston movie, the yeah. Omega Man, and. Uh, all of a sudden, the character built around that guy, and uh, the rest, you know, is history. That now eighty-five, eighty-six. Now we're putting out a recording, which I know you're not sure which the first album is. Is that correct? A, a lot of people always question it because they believe, you know, the self-titled one was a demo tape, and I had gotten that back then as a demo tape when I was a tape trader as a kid back in the eighties. Only years later, yeah. you know, did it come out where no, that was really the record, and. You know, a lot of people before the internet, nobody knew anything back then unless you came from the area. I know. I know, Mike. We were so green in the, the gills and all of this. But we came out, uh, we, we, we meant that to be a debut album. I don't know where the, I think just because of the length of the album, the record is only like seven songs and maybe 35, 36 minutes total of, of time to airplay. People automatically tag it as an EP. Or, you know, back in the day, I don't know why they called them that. They, you know, groups of songs on an album. It wasn't a full album. It was a, it was an EP. So that translated into a demo. I, I don't know where the demo word came in. We tried to release it the best we could. Yeah. You know, we weren't on a record label at the time, but we, we did reproduce a lot of those cassettes, and they all sold out. And you got a hold of one. Uh, you know, uh, 700 people, I think, got a hold of one. Yeah, that was a lot. Uh, yeah, and uh, I don't know that that that's the story of that album. But I I consider that, and I think the band would back me up on this one. Um, that was the first the first album. Yeah, yeah. Well, that definitely answers that question for a lot of people. But you know, haunting tales of a warrior's past. I mean. I put this album up against any Ben's album any day of the week that's ever come out. I mean, it's just, you know, you said though know, you were kids, you got together, you wanted to make music, you wanted to recreate the sounds that you heard, but you went beyond recreating. In my opinion, you created. You created a whole sound and a whole vibe because there was nothing else that sounded like this at the time out there then or even now. You don't think so? I thought we were just, you know. No. Hey, I appreciate your comments. They're very heartfelt and very kind. Thank you, first of all. But. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you know, we were trying to be cutting edge. I mean, at that time, you know, we were listening to Hellstar and King Diamond and you know, the Metal Church. The, the, the big and heavy and the speediest were out there, and we kind of wanted to be a part of that, too. Innovative, I don't know so much, but uh, that, that's nice of you to say. I don't know. Maybe, I mean, your vocal range, you know, you can go all over the place vocally. Maybe that's what did it. You know, you had the soft spots in the songs that turned into full-on power metal. You, some people would even say some stuff is thrashy. I mean, you kind of mixed it all together, but it, but it worked. I and mean, sometimes you had it all yeah. in, within one song. Yeah, right. Well, you know, there was a wide gamut of uh, music that we listened to. You know, so and we tried to incorporate all that in that album uh, at the time. Queensryche was another big one. You know, coming off of Operation Mindcrime and all that stuff. So, uh, and our producer was a big uh, fan of that, Pete Brock, 
and he was really pushing forward for all the theatrics and the stuff in between songs and at the time some of the guys were like eh really you know oh yeah yeah we gotta do this we gotta do okay so you know there's times we're clanging on uh with chains on uh, top of cinder blocks you know to, to create this guy going at the gallows type effect it's just all kinds of crazy things we did back then uh, maybe maybe it was innovative in a way in our own little inimitable way but <clears throat> yeah i i understand that that ba- that that uh, album has made a mark i guess around in the world i we really hear a lot about that album yeah so, don't use the word gallows effect around michael shanker he's blaming metallica <laughs> for stealing that word from him and saying that they're riding off his coattails yeah. so don't don't say I that michael, Sh- <laughs> michael shanker's picking on everybody right now and that was his last yeah, week's uh, I hear rant that. <laughs> <laughs> i hear that boy yeah. i listen to your show and man this this thing rocks off the earth this show man I, I don't know where i've been i guess I'm going to be a, a listener from now on. I try to keep it small. I don't want too many people listening. It's better that way. You know? <laughs> I try to keep just a bit I like minimum. the underground feel of it. It uh, made me comfortable because, <laughs> let's face it, we are underground. We've never really yeah. broken out. Uh, we're still a local band, and we still play down in New England. You know? I'm happy. For, you know, I'm, I'm going to be in Rhode Island over the summer, so I'm, I'm hoping I can line it up if you guys have a show. I mean, I know it's hard right now. Not a lot of bands have been playing out the whole COVID mm-hmm. thing, but they're starting to play again. So hopefully yeah. you'll have something going on this summer. I'll rearrange my trip around the, around that show. What exactly is your location down here at the station? Are you in, uh, are you in uh, Queens or? I'm in Staten uh, Island, New Brooklyn? York. I uh, come from Staten Brooklyn, Island. but Staten Island, New York these days. I had to move out okay. of Brooklyn when everybody else was coming in. Okay. All the hipsters took Mets over, fan? so we left. Oh yeah. Mets fan. Yeah. Uh, oh, God bless you. I hope that, and I'm a Yankees fan. Hey, I'm from New York originally, but I'm from upstate. So okay, you know what? People like in New York City don't even consider upstate part of New York. I know it's another country. <laughs> yeah, there's what downstate, there's upstate. Nobody considers them to be the same place. Yeah, yeah. But that's—I I didn't know you came from New York, so you, you know. I mean, at least you know the accent a little bit, so you're a little bit more comfortable. Well, familiar. Remember, I'm saying upstate. I, I was from up north of Binghamton, like Norwich, New York, is where I was born. Oh, okay, you were way uh, up there, yeah. Yeah, almost to the Adirondacks. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. But I go down to the city once in a while. Like I said, some, some, I was a Mets fan growing up through the 70s as a kid. You know, Dave Kingman was my favorite guy. Oh, yeah. That, that was my guy. <laughs> yep. And nobody liked him because he was, he was obnoxious and he was arrogant when you tried to get an interview with him or whatever. But anyway, somehow my father somehow swerved me over to the Yankees in the 70s. And that's where I've been since. So. Yeah. <laughs> I I fell out of love with sports in the late 70s and 80s when free agency came into play and back then players were loyal to a team that really had to try out every year to get on the team and stay on that team it wasn't guaranteed and then you know all these big contracts came I think the money convoluted a lot of stuff but that was just my opinion it is is tough to be a fan right now but I'm, I'm, I'm clinging on (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, you know, you know, Tony, we were talking about the band in the early days and the and the first record, but it wasn't long after that record came out that that Todd left. You know, left. They were out of the band. It was just you with a whole new lineup after that. Was there a time when they, it went into a four piece outfit, or did you always go with another? You know, back with a three piece. 
Uh, well, we have bounced back and forth. We have had a four a four piece at one time in the late in the late nineties. Uh, that never really showcased out live. Maybe a couple of little local gigs here. We we actually had John Irkin who was in Haunting Tales, and we had Todd Jink. Uh, sorry, uh, Jamie Blackwood who now is our guitar player together, and we we have two guitars and, and myself and Nino is the rest of the band. And that sounded pretty cool for a while. It was very full. And you had you had John Erkin's killer lead playing, which, God bless him. I mean, this, uh, we, we don't think there's ever going to be another one like him. That guy was like a human jukebox. But, uh, yes, we have dabbled with three and four. Uh, what happened back with Todd Nino, though, in, in, in earlier to your question, uh, we, I don't know. The late 80s were kind of tough. That time was, you know, we're, we're still growing as people and, and, and I don't know. We we went our own ways, and but the guys did did part. We all parted amicably in the late '80s. Todd and Nino and I, and they said, "Look, you came up with the Matthias deal. If you want to continue on with that, we have no problem with that." And I've been very thankful that they did that. Uh, so <clears throat> I went on to form what was the lineup for Haunting Tale, and that was a, <laughs> another. Interesting story was that the drummer never played drums until I met him. I mean, until we talked about getting into a band. James. He says, I'm going to learn the drums and I'm going to be in the thighs. Really? Okay. And then uh, John was a good guitar player known in the area, so I was already seeking his his services. And, uh, well, Jay Jordan learned the drums in one year and he put that album out. One year of not even hitting the drums ever to to the recording of Haunting Tales. That's quite a feat in itself. Now, you can hear the drumming. It's, it's got some, you know, people claim the sound and the production's a little tinty and all that. And we we were going for a specific sound on that album, something really cutting edge. Yeah. Like the bass drums, we wanted them almost trebly so that they would punch through the speakers very hard, almost like a, almost like a and justice for all type of a bass drum yeah, you know yeah. uh so I, I don't know that that was quite an experiment back in the early 90s with haunting tales of the warrior's past well so, when you meet the drummer and, and he tells you i don't band. know how to play drums and i'm gonna learn i mean do you scratch your head and say am i gonna go with this or am i gonna look for somebody the else funny, mike the funny thing with this band is that some of the people that have been in it we we've driven the the fear of music into them so much the passion <laughs> that they want to learn it not only learn it but join the band and join in yeah. I, i've heard that from two well jamie's the same way the new the guitar player that we have now the new guy out of 20 some years uh yeah he, he was just a fan who would come and watch us in a leather coat in front you know and cheer us on later on unbeknownst to me do i know later in the 90s that this guy says, "Hey, I want to, I want to try to play with you guys in a band." So <laughs> that's that's how that came about with Jamie. And and all those years later, like you said, twenty something years later, he's still playing with you guys. But going back to the drummer James, like you were saying, he learned how to play drums that year to be a part of the band and record the record. You would think that this guy wrote all the music on that record compared to how he was bitching when the Haunting Tales got reissued, and he, like he didn't get his credit that was due to him. I was like, he went off, he went like on a whole tangent. That guy about this okay, album now, how did you, 
Now that's some really dirty laundry. How did you find that out? I know, I know everything. Listen, I'm, I'm Italian. I'm from, I'm from Brooklyn. You know, come on. I, I know I've everything. I got you. Okay, oh. fair enough. <laughs> no, in one of the forums that I'm a part of where we, do, <laughs> we trade tapes, he yeah, went on there bitching yeah. about it. When Minotauro came on, so, you know, releasing his record, he was like, I didn't get my proper due. I'm like, uh, you know, come on, let's face it. Every member of a band's integral. Most people know the drums don't really do much to play drums in the band. They don't write the music most of the time. Yeah. They don't write the, unless you're Neil Peart, you know. Right. Well, we've had drummers, any of the drummers that we've had in our band have all been very vocal and, 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 and have their stand their point you know in the band and uh it's always taken seriously i don't expect anybody to take a back seat and just take the ride i mean if you want to be creative in this band you're welcome you know bring it to the table and uh, james did a lot of writing he did some lyrics in that album uh and i don't understand you know i know you're referring to just a couple of years ago when we got back the the reissue of haunting tales yeah. And James and I, uh, he didn't like it, but I, I will say to your listeners right now, uh, good news is that James, I just sent a few copies of that album to him for the first time. He actually requested it. He didn't want to see it up until recently, and he says, I want a few. So I sent him some, and uh, I hope he's enjoying it. He should. He's on there. Uh he didn't like the artwork. He didn't like the imagery we did in, in the album sleeves and stuff. And then, uh, I don't you know. know. You I think can, after all these years, you would be, you know, just the fact that somebody wants to reissue your album, and I'm that, you know, a lot of people from this generation don't know about it, you know, I've heard it before. It's a new, it's a whole new audience right now besides the old fans. You think you should just be happy to have it out there and let new people hear stuff that you help create. To me, I think that's more important than anything else. But I, I get it. When you're an artist, you can be a little finicky about things. Sure, sure. That comes with it. Yeah, we're a fi- we're a very fickle type. <laughs> you don't have to tell me. I know. I've dealt with a lot of you guys over the <laughs> you years. You know, you know a few yourself. <laughs> Quite a few, uh, but you know, but but I, I do get that. But he didn't last long after the record anyway, and neither did a lot of the you other know, guys who played with at the time. He didn't last long. However, I will say that I am in contact with James Jordan, and we're we're not opposed to sending files across you know the internet yeah. and something like he won't you know. It, the thing with this band is that nobody is an enemy that I know of, of any of each other, any of us. So at any given time, any <laughs> you don't know what shape or form this band will be in, but it still goes. <laughs> That's true. But I mean, you know, when you think about it, the band did come out like at the height of heavy metal, 85, you know, the scene has just exploded. Now hair metal is starting to take off and take it to another level. Uh, by the time the record comes out, you know, 91, I mean, Metallica releases the Black Album around that time, so things are even bigger, but it came crashing down like a year or two later, and that was sort of the end of it. And did you think, Was that the end of the band also? Because I know there was a, a little breakup back then, but it seemed like it picked up again not long after that in the mid-'90s. Yeah, there was... Well, you know, there was a little bit, little bits of breaks here and there throughout this whole tenure, you know, uh, for one reason or another. It... it, it it's like we kind of put the band down a little bit to deal with some of life's issues, but come right back to the band when things are comfortable again. But uh, you were referring to back when again? I'm sorry. What you were referring back to? What what date? Well, I, I was saying like around ninety. Uh, the haunting came out around ninety one. So like oh, maybe two or three oh, years I'm later, sorry. We, we heard okay, stuff, but I'm nothing else really up. happened until two thousand and seven with Resurrection. Well, that was a very long time. 
Okay, well, right. That is a very long time. Uh, but in the early 90s, what happened was <laughs> Nirvana. I mean, yeah. <laughs> teen, it smells like teen spirit. You know, I can remember one night we were at a club in Providence, and, we, you know, this is 1991, I think. And it was a heavy metal show, but, you know, with the PA, the, the guy in the PA puts on music between the, the bands, and, and it smells like Teen Spirit come on with Nirvana. And the people went nuts. I mean, it was just wild. They were, it was a pit. They were running all around like Indians. Whoa, 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 whoa. What the hell is this all about? And now we had to go on. And we did what we did, which was, uh, we played a great show, but it just came to the realization that night that to me that music was changing and I think and, and you know what we got the same reverberation from some labels that we shopped they said you guys are great but we've already we already have a Metallica we have a metal church we have this and that had you guys just been you know a couple of years earlier you would have been in there with them right now but we're not looking for that right now and, and we were kind of in a bad time to break out, I think. Yeah, it was hard. It was hard. Yeah. Now, and that, and, that and a on top of, of that, the fact that I had a son at the time, and I ended up getting into a domesticated life right at the height of when we could have been popular. I, I'm not regretting that or anything, but, uh, you know, things get in the way. And, and in the music business, you have to be focused. And you can't miss a, a beat. You can't miss a trick, you know, to get signed and get popular. And, and I think we, 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 we missed a few opportunities in there, to be honest. Yeah. And then so later on, you know, the grunge is going full steam now. 93, 94, 95. You, know, you listen to Z-Rock out of Texas. Uh, yeah, it, 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 with the Toadies and, 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 and the Offspring and... Alice in Chains, it, it, the list goes on. Great bands, all of them, but and I really do like the 90s now. <laughs> but at the time, our brand of music was not really it right then. Yeah. So, uh, that's why we did, we tried to go grunge. We even tried, we, we changed our name to a surname for a little bit called Chainsaw Symphony. I didn't even know that. And and we tried to write like grunge music, really dirty chords, nasty sound, terrible production, uh, corny lyrics. I mean, we practically dressed in flannel, and it just wasn't us. It wasn't being true to us. That's not who we were. So we, around 2005 or whatever, when we come out with Resurrection, we were back into the metal full scene. Now, we did put out a song called Cloud Cover that was 1996. That was on Big Noise Records, uh, a compilation CD they did. And that was rather poppy. If you ever get a chance to find that song or listen to it online, it's a different version of us that it shows you exactly what I'm talking about, how we tried to change for that time. 
And, was it uh, was it change more because you were you know like you said you you like the Allison change you like this was it change more so to try something different because you were getting into that newer style of music or was it just to try to stay relevant at the time you know as a band Mike you know I, I yeah we were changing in a superficial sense like uh, on the surface to try to appease people like that, that we're going to still continue to go on the latest trend and we're going to be the hottest thing you're going to see because this is what's hot right now. A bunch of chainsaws. No. So we, we realized that, reeled all that back in, and said, guys, let's go true to our hearts and what we used to do. The, the power metal, basically, is what we like. Prog, a little bit of a prog influence into it. And let's just leave it at that. And that's what we try to do, and still to this day, we're doing that. Yeah. You know, like I said, Resurrection, all those years later, after uh, The Haunting Tales of a Warrior's Past comes out, Still has that Matthias Steel sound and that vibe, just you know, a much more modern, updated version of the band. And I think that kind of continued with you know, Questions of Divinity that came out in 2016, I believe. I'm getting older now, so my dates get a little mumbled, but I think I'm getting close yep. <laughs> to the dates. I and understand. that was a continuation from Resurrection, in my opinion. And that was a big gap in time, too, when you think about it, about nine years. Yeah, again, uh, one thing led to another. Uh, one band member has to do this. He needs time off, or another guy, he's busy with this. I mean, with us, family life always came first, even over the music. I mean, we love the music, and believe me, that's my passion. That's all of our passions. But we do respect each other's space, and if that means that you have to leave that musical space for a little while, we're pretty confident you're going to come back. That's fine. Do it. And uh, we're fine with taking the breaks. And I, I think it's also helped us to stay to where we're at right now because I don't know what would have happened if we really did some grueling tours on the road. I don't know. You know, I'm, we're, we're approaching it with a lot more fun. We do things the way we like to, you know. Um, however, if there is a good, good enough opportunity uh, brings itself there, we will, you know, do whatever whatever needs to be. If there's going to be a big break soon, or somebody wants to put us over to Europe, or you know, we're going to need a little help. We're going to need a little funding. But you know, we're we're a little older now. We we just might want to welcome that uh, and, and and give it a try here later in our fifties to go do such a thing. And maybe who knows from there? I don't know. You guys have met so over the to Europe. Time, well, I guess festivals. what I'm trying to say to you is the time. The time is just going to go on and on and on, but you, we're not going to leave. We're just going to keep coming back. <laughs> That's good. You think you could be like Foreigner or all these other bands where you, there's nobody left in the band anyway. They just planted the name, and there's all new members. Well, so when one guy leaves, another comes in. Before you know it, none of you will be in the band, and Matthias still will still live on. Well, and Mike, I totally agree with that wholeheartedly. A lot of important things is that it's the original guys, Yeah, you know, uh, they, they, they want to do it again. That's all. It, it's the hunger for it. True. Well, you know, now you you know, last couple of years, nobody go out and play live and even think about shows. It's starting to happen again. But have you been talking about or working on or thinking about new music for another record? Is that even something on the table right now? Or of course it is. Yes, we're original band. We're predominantly original. We we can play covers if we have to, to you know, to play a longer show or something. But we love. We really get off on our own music, so that means we're always writing, always new songs coming up. And we do have 
we do have seven songs that are already recorded a few years back. They're in the can right now. They sound pretty good. We haven't released them. Uh, and there's going to be some new music coming out that we're going to record soon to add to it. So I think eventually we're looking at maybe 11, 12 songs on a, on a new release. I hope really to be in people's hands by early 2023, late 2022. I really would like to set a goal for that. Um, we're just getting back together, really, in earnest as a band yeah. right now. As you know, COVID took the starch out of things. Yep. Uh, we have had some health problems. I won't, I won't, you know, get into details in confidence of my bandmates or anything, but uh, we've all had a little bit of health scares because we're getting older. And we needed that time off, too. Now I can thankfully say that we are healthy and ready to come back. It, it, it took a little bit, but uh, we're coming back, and we're going to try to give another good stab at the music business right here for a while and see how it works. And that includes a recording, and that includes playing wherever we can possibly play with, within reason. So, uh, yeah, not going anywhere. That's great. Yeah, time and age definitely <laughs> takes its toll. Time and age definitely takes its toll on everybody. My father used to say all the time, "Don't get old, don't get yeah. old." And now I'm saying that to my kids, "Don't get old, don't get old." Yeah, you, well, you start to feel everything these days. We have a high energy show, Mike. Too, the, you know, I'd like to bring back my headset mic and everything and go completely wireless and run around. I mean, we <laughs> run around in the crowd and everything, and you come back and you're. <sighs> I, I can see why Ozzy needs Ozzy needs oxygen back there i understand why <laughs> i know but I, have, I gotta tell you i you know i used to say you know some of these guys are getting too old to do it but i give them credit because sometimes i could walk around the block and i'm like oh my god i'm gonna pass out and you got guys like mick jagger yeah. and keith richards up on stage yeah. or you got these guys the guys in sacks and they're in the 70s i know what they're screaming and performing i'm like jesus christ <laughs> i can't do that I think I hope we're going to know enough when to know better when 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 we're too old or whatever incapacitated or so that we're not putting out the show that people expect from us because I I expect that we should be high intensity and blow your blow you away and that's what I look for when I go to a show I yeah. want to be I want bumps and we got to do that to people. Uh, if we're not doing that anymore, maybe it's time to reel it back in. I don't know. But so far, so far, we're, we're still in the game. That's good to know. And it has to be hard. I mean, like you were, we were talking about Ozzy a little while ago. You know, back in the 80s, Ozzy jumping all over the stage, jumping off the drum risers, throwing the buckets of water out into the audience. You know, and, and he was still doing up until, you know, quite a few years ago, as much as he could at his age and everything. But I don't know. Is, do you think that it's just that they can't let it go I mean, you know, when you're that big and you're that important and you're on stage, you know, it's like being in a whole other world to them. I mean, plus he's married to that witch. So, I mean, he'll take any oxygen he can get to get out of the house and get away from her. But, I mean, do you think it's just hard for these old, old times to let it go no matter how badly they feel, no matter how much pain they're in, or how poorly they all perform? I mean, I was looking at videos of Bon Jovi who's out on the road. Bon's not even that old. He's like, you know, he's like our age, and he's, you know, in his 50s. He can't sing anymore. I mean, it's just horrible. Yeah. I have, too. I, too, have been watching the Bon Jovi stuff lately, and it's a little disturbing. I don't know what's going on with him. Uh, 
it's almost like he's drunk and incapacitated. <laughs> I, I, but but he's not. I think he's with his wits. He's just having an issue trying to trying to project his vocals. Um, I I understand he had COVID or something, and that might have had a role to play in it. I don't know, but. Touching on your point about the older bands that want to continue to play, again, they don't know any better. Uh, of course, it still is a money-making operation, and that's pretty big. I'm sure some money is dri driving that. Uh, but however, when do you stop? Uh, I just saw some pictures of Ozzy today that I was really taken aback. Uh, I, with a cane coming out of some place in New York, I think it was. Yeah, he's in bad today. shape right now. He just looked horrible. And they're saying this guy's going to put out an album and and go on tour. And well, I don't know how it's going to happen. Sharon Osbourne would have him out there if he had one finger and a, and a toe left. She would have him out there performing with a hologram behind him. She doesn't care. That guy's going to be out on the road every day making money for her. She doesn't care what shape yeah. he's in or how bad he is. And yeah, I mean, after a while, really? I think, you know, people said that about Lemmy, too, right before he passed away, that, you know, he was getting really sick his last year. You could see it, like, in the live performances. And people were like, he should just stop playing right now. And he's like, I'm going to go until I die. And he did. He played right up until he died. But as a fan, yeah. you know, you kind of see that, and you look back at that band when you saw them 20, 30, 40 years ago, and, and there's definitely something missing that's not there. And, you know, I can't make that call for a band. Only they can say when it's time to hang it up. But as a fan... I kind of feel a little let down when I see a band that I've been a fan of for so many years not being able to perform and not being able to put on a show like they used to. And we all get older. We all kind of lose a little too. bit, you know? I agree with you, and the same goes in sports, and it goes with any other uh, entertainment in general. Yeah. you got to know when. you got to stop. I mean, uh, and just retire. Yeah. you got enough money, you know? Uh, I don't know what else more to say about that. I do enjoy seeing original bands, like from years ago. Like, I know you had Biff Byford on recently. Yeah. And I saw Saxon with Priest up here in Connecticut. And Saxon really took that show. They played well. I thought they did. And uh, I think that was most of the original guys in that band. It's like three, uh, three of the five, and the other two have been in the band for 25 or 30 years themselves. So, yeah. I mean, most yeah. of them are... See, you know, Pretty classic. Um, I know people are busting on Quiet Riot lately because really Rudy Sarzo's only he he went in back into it. They call it it's like a cover band now. It is. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Right. Okay. So, but I appreciate guys that like I'm a big Rush fan. Okay, my guy died, Neil Peart. Now. You got Getty Lee, Neil Peart, and Alex Lyson. Those are three original dudes that you want to see on stage. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you don't want to see somebody substitute. I don't want to see Mike Portnoy from Dream Theater. I really don't. Um, I, I, that, that's a chemistry that should not happen anymore. Um, if Getty and Alex want to go continue to do something on the side, that's fine. But please don't call it Rush. Uh, I yeah, agree. So they, they, yeah, it kind of goes along with, uh, you know, you got to know when to say when. Yeah. Uh, you know, with, with the Rush thing, you know, I don't see, you, know, I, you can never say never in this business, but I really don't see the two of them going back out and playing under the under the Rush banner. Listen, maybe they're doing some benefit or charity thing. I don't see it happening because you're right. It's not the same. It was like when, you know, with Led Zeppelin, John Bond, they kind of threw in the towel after that. And it was like that for yeah. decades. For they got back together for little like one-off shows here and there for charity. 
But I, I don't see it happening. There are some things you can't oh. replace. I'm sorry. You just can't. No, and you, you, you find yourself respecting these people a little bit more than if they tried to go out and continue. Yeah. And I, I think I understand what you're, you're, you're coming from. Yeah. Plus, like I said, those guys made their money. They're not like saying, oh, we got to do the show because we need that they 50 know bucks that. this week. They, they're well off. They're doing okay. It's not, it's not about no, the money with them. Right. Now, I don't know if you're, you know, people are propping these people up. You know, money makers are trying to prop these guys on stage to, you know, keep making money for the machine. But, you know, come on, let's give them a break. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. You know, you get back to the band. I don't know if you realize, but a lot of people felt the band was like a white metal band, like a Christian metal band. I don't know where that, that tag ever came from. I mean, there were some songs on there that definitely have like a religious theme to them, but you're lyrically. All the albums have been all over the place, like with different stuff. I mean, there's been no one specific theme that the band kind of relied on for every song and every album. But I don't know where they came from. Yeah, I, I don't either. Uh, I'm sorry, my my, uh, my attention was just diverted. Uh, Mike, what was your last question? I'm oh, sorry. I was saying that, you know, I didn't know if you were aware, but the band always gets labeled as a Christian metal band, like a striper-type band. Oh. And I never quite got that because, you know... There are a couple of songs that have a religious theme behind them, but lyrically, you, you know, the songs are all over the place. You've got you've written about everything, in my opinion. I don't know where that tag came from. Yeah, oh, I, I've never, I've never heard the Christian moniker applied to us, uh, even though we are spiritual uh, in a way with some of the lyrics. You know, I am a, I was raised a Catholic. Uh, yeah, we you know, we want to want good to prevail over evil, I guess. You know, but. Uh, I would also be not afraid to touch the subject of of Satan and and that side of things too, because uh, I just want to try to include everybody <laughs> in the whole spectrum of songwriting. I mean, I don't want to be labeled a Christian band. I, of course, don't want to be a satanic band. I want to be a band that shows their opinions and and expresses their thoughts. And you you can make it what you want, but. Uh, you know, I grew up with bands like Blue Oyster Cult and Black Sabbath and stuff like that. What do you expect? <laughs> <laughs> it's true. You know, did you ever feel like the, the image was more important than the music, or was it a combination of both? Uh, I'm sorry? Did you feel like, the, you know, for some bands, it's the image more than the music. They want to project a certain image. They come up with, you know, whether it's costumes or theming. or And the music is, like, secondary to them. They're like, uh, you know, they don't care about it. Well, other bands could care less about, you know, the theme. Like, when Metallica came about, it was just, like, you know, black shirts and denim pants. And it was all about the music. But is there, like, a, a line between them where you say, hey, you know what? We should have some sort of image. But, you know, the music is, you know, it's like a 50-50 split between the two. Yeah, uh, you need to you need the right combination of all of it. I think uh, you know you just can't let just the music do the talking. Sometimes you have to be seen. So are you going to be in all black? Are you going to portray this type of an image? Are you going to you know what? You got to think about this because you're you're a big entity. You're not only just music. You're also people want to know what you're about, what you're singing about, what you look like. So. Uh, Yes, there is a certain image. If you want to play this game correctly, you kind of got to follow those rules. Um, I, I think to achieve any commercial type success, you know, you got to be kind of comfortable for people to, to watch and listen. And uh, I don't know. Yeah, you do have to. That's a tricky. That's a tricky one. I mean, 
you got to be totally on your game, uh, how you're perceived with your art. And if you're missing some element in there or whatever, you're just cast aside like many others. Uh, so it's that right combination of everything. It really clicks with people, you know. Yeah, <laughs> it's a lot of luck. I, I don't want to be. I don't want to be dubbed like one certain subject. We've always tried to defy categorization. We we want to like get people to try to guess about us. What are these guys about? Like you just said, we're all over the place with the lyrics. I love that. That's exactly the point we're trying to get across. We're all over the place with it. You enjoy it. Take one song at a time, but we are diverse in that respect. And that, and that's what I'm trying to do there. Sure, and that's the way it should be. I mean, like I always say, I go back to the early '80s. You know, with buying my records in like '80, 80, '81. And grabbing that album, most of the albums back then we bought by album cover because you didn't really know anything about a lot of these underground bands. We didn't have the internet. They were very, you know, Circus yep. and Hit Parade didn't write about all the local bands, you know. And then, you know, you had Kerrang, which maybe touched on a little bit. The Metal Forces came out, and I think that's where yeah. a lot of people started to get exposed to more and more of the underground scene from all over the world, especially with the demo right. tapes coming out. But, you know, you bought that record, you went home, you played it from start to finish. And I remember there must have been a hundred records over my lifetime that I bought back then that I, I didn't like the first time I played it. But I'm like, I just spent six, nine, I had to deliver 200 newspapers to, this week to buy this record. I'm going to like it whether I like it or not, just because I spent the money on it. Right. And, you know, today people don't give music a chance. They're like two seconds into the song, nah, I don't like this. And they move on and they never play the band again. Where back then, you know, you played that album until you learned to like it or, you know, you found something yeah. interesting in it. Yeah. You're in the day and age of sound bites now. You yeah. Know? Back then, back then, and I, I was starting to understand how old you are because you appreciate the days you went to a record store and you picked out an album on cover alone. Yeah. Uh, and this looks cool. I, I'll give you a good case in point. When I was in junior high school, I used to have a record come like uh, uh, people come into the library and put albums and books out for you to sell for you to buy. I saw in 1978 or 77, I'm sure, I forgot when it came out, Bad Out of Hell from Meatloaf. There's that album cover, Bad Out of Hell. Yeah. I'm like, this gotta be great. This has gotta be the most god-awful killer music ever on the earth. And you know what? I brought the album home and I was, I was slightly disappointed because it was not heavy like I expected it to be. But... You know, later on, as I appreciated music, I understand how good of an album that was. But back then, you know, you look at Van Halen, the first album, it came right off the truck at my local music store. The guy says, hey, just got this in. You want to try it out? Wow, look at these guys. <laughs> yeah. I put that on. Wow. You know, British Steel is another one. Yeah, Bridget came in today from Judas Priest. You want one? Yeah, I bought, I bought it. Went right on the turntable, and we listened to that whole album from start to finish, and we were blown away. That was 1980, I think. So, and then of course the Rush albums, and I can go on and on. But yes, appearance, image, back then was big. Now, you have the luxury of listening to just a few seconds of something and think, Nah, don't like it. On to the next. I know, it's crazy. Like we were saying earlier, like, you know, being in New Hampshire, it was a smaller place, you know, and back then, a lot of the bands that were going to break, it was either in, you know, Los Angeles and California, or it was here in New York, where we had Lamore, which was like, you know, 
the main rock club here, like I think on the whole East Coast, they had one in Long Island at the time, one in Queens. You know, Manhattan had a whole bunch of clubs going on. Chicago had a big scene. So if you weren't from there, you know, you kind of were isolated because you really didn't have a way of connecting with the fans or getting the name. Today with the internet, you click a button, everybody hears your music. Do you think if we had the technology today, you know, back then, that, you know, you could have gotten the name of Matthias still out a lot quicker and a lot more easier? And would would it have mattered back then? That's a good question. Of course, I think we would have. And I think a lot of other bands would be more popular had we had these luxuries back then. But uh, I wouldn't trade that that history for anything, Mike. Uh, It was fun not knowing, you know, the unknown. Uh, uh, Matthias Seals coming to town. Well, they're coming in next week. Uh, We got to wait till then. I I can't see anything else. We're just going to see the band on Saturday night. I got a ticket, you know. And then you go to the show, and there they are. And you'll love it. And you go back home, and then you go another two weeks or so, and you, you put on an album or something, but or you you might hear something on the radio, but not not all these luxuries you get today to just step in front of a computer or get on your phone and access this stuff. Uh, it was thrilling. I thought it was a little more thrilling back then. It absolutely was. <laughs> there's no there's no mystery no more left in the music. Back then, like you said, you went to a show, you couldn't wait. Like, oh, what do these guys look like? What are they going to come out and play? What are they going to do? Today, there's so yeah, many videos, you, you know, a before lot the of show it starts. was the cool part about it. Yeah. yeah. The problem is media. We know too much. Everybody knows too much. Too quick. <laughs> yeah, uh, absolutely. You sound like my wife now when we're fooling around. Except for this radio show. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Uh, what would you call it? Um, getting getting back to the music, you know, like we said, Questions of Divinity, 2016. You're working on new music right now. Is it going to be a continuation of where the band has been going, or have you come up with like, you know, a whole new sound and vibe? No, no, no not not really new sound. We we the stuff I was talking about that we have recorded already is pretty slick. It sounds pretty good and it's heavy. It, it kind of goes back to a little bit of uh, the Haunting Tales as far as theatrics go. Uh, But uh, I'm going to make it known right now that we are trying a new guitar player, too, uh, in the next week. So we we might add another fourth guitarist. I'm sorry, fourth guitarist. Fourth member. Fourth member. (laughs) I knew what you were saying. We may be a four-piece again here soon. Uh, There's a young man from Westerly who is interested in us, another gentleman who's seen us over the years learn guitar, Loves play original music. A nice guy. Uh, we think we can have fun with him. And we're going to give him a little try here in the next few weeks. And if it works out, it does. And that'd be great. We're going to have a fuller, fuller sound. Uh, and if not, uh, that's fine too. You know, the band will go on. But um, all always good friends with everybody here. And yeah. uh, so the thing is, is when we do the new music, I'm, uh, Mike, I don't think you're going to hear. Uh, Again, different different songs. We're going to be all over the place, as you say. Uh, I try not to write a, the same song twice. I try to be completely different from the previous song that I've written. So that makes it very diverse, I hope. I think uh, you've accomplished that. Is, is there yeah, any live music? Continue. Anthony, do you have any What's live that? music that you might release? Uh, we do have some live tracks. Um, that are actually on one of the Minotauro releases. Uh, 
I don't have it in front of me right now. Yeah, it's Question of Divinity. It has uh, Worthless Soul and I think Supersonic uh, Man Live on there. Yeah, okay. So, And there's a lot more from that particular concert that's in the can. It's recorded. I don't know about releasing any more live. Um, no. What do you think? Do you think we should? I would like to hear a whole live concert, a whole live record, you know, from one show, you know, I, whether it's professionally done or not. I would love to hear that. Okay, okay. That's, see, that's what we, we're, we're valuing anybody's input. Um, if that's what you want to hear, that's what we're going to give you. Uh, right. So we'll, I'll take that back to the board of directors, and we'll see what's going to happen to the meeting. Yeah, you know, maybe one of the upcoming <laughs> shows, you, you know, you record the whole thing. If you get a good quality tape, you know, maybe put it out there. You know, I would love to hear sure, that. Sure. And again, in this day and age, you can put out stuff that's, you know, it doesn't have to be so polished. It, people still like it. They get the point. I, I want to hear my live live. I don't want it to be a live record that's been so, you know, edited and engineered in the studio where, yeah. you know, all you hear is the yeah. clapping in the background. I want to hear the mistakes. I want to hear the, the off notes. I yeah. want to hear all that. That's part yeah. of being Got live. I don't think we'd put out a live album if it wasn't us. Exactly. Yeah. We have we we do take a pride in reproducing our music as accurate as we can to the live recording, uh, to the to the to the studio recording in a live setting. So, yeah, it's got to be it's got to be tight. And if it's not tight, no big deal. That's what live's all about. True. Hey, Andy, I'm going to have to let you go. I could talk to you forever, but I want to play a few more songs before we wrap things up here today. But when that new record comes out, how about you come back on if you want to bring the whole band on with you? Three, four members, whatever they are, we'll connect everybody, and we'll do this all over again. Mike, you've made a fan for me from now on, and the guys, too, they're listening. The Heavy Metal Mayhem radio show from New York City, baby. Uh, you got it, Anthony. It was good talking to you, my friend. You have a great weekend, or what's you left too. of it, and uh, we'll do this again one day real soon, my friend. Right on, boy. Rock on. Take care. All right. Let's do some more Matthias Steele. I didn't realize what time it was, but Questions of Divinity. We were talking about that. Let's get on a song from that record.
right, Hellfire and Brimstone, and right before that, Questions of Divinity. I apologize, I started playing the song, and my uh, granddaughter ran into the studio. She wants to go in the pool with her papa, <laughs> so uh, I kind of hit the wrong button. But uh, some great music there, one of my all-time favorite bands. I love these guys, and I'm waiting for the next record to come out. We're going to wrap it up here in a few minutes. Next week, Michael Podrebo from Glacier will be on. And then we're lining up all the guests for June right after that. I know we got Blotta from Gore coming on the second week. Uh, nice Rocket from Onslaught will be on, I think, the first Sunday in June. He's going to be here in the U.S. They're having uh, He's getting inducted into the Heavy Metal Hall of Fame. So we're going to talk to him during that meeting, during that press conference. And I know we have a few other things lined up, and we'll get to them in the next week or two. Next week's Memorial Day weekend. It's here already. So we'll kick off our summer, if we're going to have a summer here in New York. Like I said earlier, we had a gorgeous weekend this weekend. But uh, we've had kind of like, you know, cold, damp weather for the last five or six weeks. Kind of makes me wish I was back in Florida again. All right, so we'll play a few more songs. We're going to wrap it up here tonight. And I'm going to go jump in the pool. Because when you spend as much money as I do to open and close that thing and treat it, you want to get every month of the year you can out of it when you live in the colder weather of New York. All right, so let me see what we can do right now. We'll play a few songs back-to-back. And then we're just going to sign off right after that. So how about we do... You know what? I'm going to start things off with Lace. Lace were a killer New York band. Desi was a singer. They, they looked like a band that came out of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. They all dressed. They all glammed it up. They, you know, he came out with the, with the stockings on and the garter belts and, and the corset. He looked like Frankenfurter from Rocky Horror. But a great singer and an amazing showman. He passed away. You know, he had his uh, demons with the drugs and they got the best of him and he died many, many years ago. But they only put out that one seven-inch single. I still have my copy of it as well as all the demo tapes. So we'll play something from Lace off the demo tape. We'll do a little Anvil Bitch and then maybe some Witchcross. So you take care. Have a great week, everybody. I want to thank Anthony Leonetti from Matthias Steel for being on tonight's show. I'm sorry I didn't talk as much. My throat is still raw from being sick all week. I wanted to save it for the interview. But I can hear me starting to crack right now. So let's wrap it up. Take care, everybody. Have a great week. I'll see you next Sunday.
How you doing out there, animals? This is Brian Vollmer from the band Helix. And you're listening to the Heavy Metal Mayhem Radio Show. Dig it. The golden age of travel is back in the Palm Beaches. Relax on sun-kissed beaches with cleaner sands and fewer crowds. Experience the original, the one, the only, the Palm Beaches. Plan your trip at thepalmbeaches.com. Serta Pro painters have powers beyond those of ordinary painters. The power of precision. That's the power of a skilled local team who know what they're doing. The power of accurate estimates. Estimates. Not guesstimates. The power of certainty. Serta Pro Painters. That's the power of pro. Get your project started at certapro.com. Each Serta Pro Painters business is independently owned and operated.